As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. Every single day I come in here, I think about winning. You know, I don't do this year-round to come in and not make the playoffs. I'm sick of that shit, and uh, I want to keep winning. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. We are firing up our cigars, our victorious celebratory cigars. The Raiders are four and five. They uh, they handily beat the New York Giants, and uh, now they get ready to take on the New York Jets. And uh, it, it was a happy day for everybody. You got Mark Davis hugging Max Crosby as he's smoking a stogie. Uh, everything's great in the world, right? Yeah, man, I know it was, uh, you know, a little bit of, you know, back and forth in terms of reaction about whether whether the cigars were a little bit too much for beating the the Giants in the middle of the season. But I think they deserve it coming off of that, man. I mean, you know, it was a rough week, head coaching change for a lot of these guys, the second time that they've had to deal with this in the last couple of years. Been a pretty depressing season. And, you know, you kick somebody's ass. I mean, why not, man? You know, light up some cigars. There's some, some questionable looking cigars in there. I know <laughs> something on viral on social media yesterday, but I think they were just backwoods. You know, people usually don't just smoke regular backwoods, but I'm going to give them the grace to say that that's what that was. But um, yeah, it was a little bit of a party in there, man. Yeah, it was definitely a first for me. I've never walked into a locker room and seen uh, cigar smoke or players, you know, I mean, I've seen players dance around and have, have fun, but never quite to that degree. You know, Deshaun's right. It was a release. Obviously, they were uh, frustrated from having. Uh, Josh McDaniels, and now they kind of have their guy, Antonio Pierce. I, I, I'm sure Raider fans loved it, all the talk of the old Raider way, and we're going to be you know, mean and nasty and physical and fast, and it's all great. Um, I think I have to imagine Raiders fans in the backs of their minds, a little tiny voice, like, man, I hope we beat the Jets next week, because if we lose to the Jets, this is kind of all for nothing. I think the Giants, it was a nice win, but, um, you know, it was Tommy DeVito, so I wouldn't go too crazy, but um, again, I get it. It was a release. They definitely were frustrated. They kind of felt like they were um, 
up against it. And now they're kind of were, you know, were free to do what they wanted to do and have some fun playing football. I've never seen this before. Like it's almost comical, like everything that's come out after Josh McDaniels been fired. Like, you know, it, it's almost like they've gone through like a traumatic event. And like everybody's so happy that they've gotten to the other side to smoke cigars. And the way they talk about the previous regime, it was like the worst thing ever. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm not saying I don't believe them, but it's just almost comical. Like the more and more you hear about what happened and how relieved they are to have moved on from Josh McDaniels. I mean, I think everything that fans thought, every reaction fans had to the hire and every reaction that fans had throughout the 21 months that he was the head coach were basically proven right uh, by the way that the players have responded. I mean, they, fans hated him, and I'm not going to say the players hated him, but the players clearly were not upset to see him go. And so uh, everything we pretty much suspected throughout the Josh McDaniels era is, is probably pretty close to accurate. I say you could tell leading up to the game just how much the vibe it had shifted. I mean, you know, when you walk in there, you know, we've talked about it, the the basketball hoops and guys wrestling and just the level of communication and smiles. And you could just kind of feel the energy. I mean, obviously that tone has been set by interim coach Antonio Pierce, but also I think it's, you know, factor in that is, is just the relief of, you know, not having to deal with the weight of, you know, the previous regime. Um, and so, you know, whether that translated to the game or not was what we needed to see. Obviously it did. And, and that sort of just created this momentum that's carried over into this week. Um, obviously that doesn't mean that the Raiders are suddenly Super Bowl contenders now, but um, this is a team that does have some talent. And, you know, over the course of the last two years, they've lost a lot of winnable games. And, you know, if there's a lack of energy um, or, or team morale, you know, that can, that can lead to some of those slipping away. But if you guys are revved up and have the the necessary emotion that you need to to give it your all um that can't that can make a difference i know it sounds kind of corny but um that stuff matters you know in football and it kind of gets overlooked that that cultural aspect of it and so it's real you can feel it and you know we'll see how far that's that's able to take them this season yeah, we often you hear the term of the fresh start when we have coaching changes and a lot of times it's really kind of overused because really it's usually it's the same kind of you know, playbook or same a lot of the same philosophy kind of carries through when you have a coaching change but in this case, it really is a fresh start, I think, because um, you see all the blame, like all the blame for this whole season is now on one man's shoulders. Like everybody else has kind of been exonerated, like, hey, it wasn't me. Oh, Josh. Josh was like, woof, it's too much. We couldn't breathe. So now they're 1-0, and now they're off to a great start, and you hear, like, guys are happy, guys are playing loose. So, yeah, I think the key thing is to see this continue uh, this week because the Jets are you know, a flawed team, but definitely have a good defense, so it'll be a, a good test. I mean, does this go down as one of the worst head coaching hires ever? Like, is it around the realm of the Urban Myers? I don't know about that. Urban Myers, I mean, come on. He skipped a road trip to have some girl dance in his lap at a bar. I mean, that's a little different. I mean, I think it's a different level, I think. It's in the next tier, but it's 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 in, it's up there. I mean, it, it was a bad, bad hire, and nobody really liked it from the beginning, and nobody liked it in the middle, and nobody liked it at the end. So, uh, I mean, it was it was bad. But you know, turning toward the football, because, I mean, obviously, we, I think we could sit here and bash Josh McDaniels all we want. But um, what, what matters is, is what happens to this team going forward. And, Vic, I, I think something that you wrote on Sunday was 100% true. Probably my, my favorite thing written about this game. The Las Vegas Raiders led 7 to nothing on Sunday with six minutes to go in the first half. And the old coach would have definitely sucked the air out of the ball at that point. And it, it was notable. I mean, that's what we've seen over the last year and a half. Is that a Deflategate reference there? Was it, is it Deflategate right there? 
Is that, is that what that was? Clever guy, Vic. I think it's more a vanilla play calling reference, but you know, they weren't satisfied with being up 7 nothing to go in against Danny DeVito's long-lost nephew or whatever. And they went on to score 17 points in the last 5-11 of the first half. They, they got aggressive with the play calling, gave a lot of credit to Bo Hardigree. We didn't know who the hell he would be as a play caller. Um, had no reason to know what kind of what he would be like. And I'm sure his play calling was an extension of what Antonio Pierce wanted to see, wanted to be that aggressive mindset. And I think for, for Raider fans, it had to be a nice refresh of, you know, just refreshing sense to see like, okay, like we're not just going to be happy taking a, a mild lead in that suddenly if, if the Giants get a lucky play here or there, we could be in trouble. They they went and, and they took control of the game. Yeah, I think that's when Raider fans probably like set up and like, wait, who's our coordinator? Who's what's his name? Bo Hart? I like this guy because I think at that moment, if you ever were going to go conservative, you got a new coordinator, first-time coordinator, rookie quarterback, you're up 7-0 against a, you know, a Giants team that just lost their guy, and their new guy is terrible. So I think if you're ever going to go conservative, that would be a good time to do it. And they had the two quick passes to Renfro for like 13 to 15, they were in attack mode. The deep ball to Tucker, I thought, was a, a good pass, better catch, um, but uh, still a big play and kind of a, a ballsy call. So I liked it. I think Raider fans liked it, and the players loved it. because They got tired of kind of you know, playing not to lose. And when you play to win, it's more fun. And I think that's what we saw, and I think that's definitely a good sign uh, for this offense going forward. Yeah, you know, watching the game, I thought, you know, there were – some protection issues here and there as far as, you know, not just getting beat by a guy, but as far as getting into the right protection, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be if right now, if it's totally on the center or the quarterback has control of the protection, but obviously that's an issue that's going to have to get better um, against the Jets because there were some opportunity, some more opportunities that they could have, you know, gotten or hit if if they got those protection issues ironed out. The run game was better. I thought the the line was more physical, it's still going to be tough. You know, I don't think this running game is all of a sudden going to be really good because they're still not getting a great push, but at least they're getting to their assignments and are kind of getting more creases for uh, Josh Jacobs than they did before. And I, I thought Aiden O'Connell was, looked really poised. I thought he was pretty accurate with the ball. He played a really clean game, ironically, um, a, a much cleaner game than any quarterback that we've seen this season for the Raiders. So uh, it, it was an encouraging game for the the offense as well, but I mean to to go against this Jets defense, which we'll talk about a little bit later. They're gonna have to take another step up as far as just making sure everything is sound. Yeah, it was their first game this year in which they haven't turned the ball over. I mean, obviously we know Jimmy Garoppolo was an interception machine, and you know Brian Hoyer was turning the ball over in his start. Uh, Aiden O'Connell turned it over a lot in his one start. So the first game they haven't turned the ball over, which is uh, definitely a good sign. Yeah, it definitely wasn't like like a breakout or anything like that for O'Connell. I thought he did a good job of just, like you said, not making mistakes. And um, really there was no, you know, while they were aggressive and, and taking a couple of shots, like the downfield throw to Trey Tucker and um, just passing the ball in general, even though they were ahead, like it wasn't like he was, you know, putting the, the ball in harm's way or being overly aggressive. They didn't really need him to considering like who was playing quarterback on the other side of the ball. And so I think sticking, they did a good job of sticking with that run first approach and still burning clock, but also not just getting too over the top conservative um, to where you just completely stalled out on offense. And so, but I think moving forward, like for this offense to, to continue to produce at a decent level, like I I do think they're going to have to find a way to keep that run game going. Um, It just makes, makes all the difference in the world for this offense. When, when Josh Jacobs, even if he's not having, you know, 150 yards or something like that, just consistently, you know, moving the chains and 
being able to punch it in once they get into the red zone. Um, I think it just sets a different type of tone for this team and helps open up some of those those downfield plays in the past game. And so I think that's, that's their best route to success moving forward. And, and this run game is, is really going to be key, you know, just finding a way to sustain it. Yeah, let's give some credit to uh, Van Roten. I'm saying his name right, right? Yeah, Van Roten. Roten. Yeah, Chad, I, I had to hurt you a little bit. No, he's play, he's playing better the last uh the last couple of games against the Lions. Thought he played well, played well against the Giants. So, you know, we gotta get give him his credit. You know, and we're not going to overreact to what the de- you know, to a defensive performance because of who they're playing the Giants, but uh eight sacks. Uh Vic, they are they're starting to get themselves in that range for that fifty sack season you were talking about, uh after after delivering this big eight sack performance. Uh Max Crosby's got three. Uh, you know, he's certainly thrusting himself in into that mix for defensive player of the year i mean he's having a hell of a year um what was nice to see the the pressure they were able to to put on them i mean again playing the giants worst offense in the league uh so we're not going to overreact but uh it was an, another strong performance yeah i mean they gotta have patience i saw us coming the whole way gotta get sean jones out of there let's have we improve a little bit a little coaching change shake things up so now we're back on track so i think uh that was it was a, a really good um, performance. I think I saw guys step up, and I, I guess you know, like you kind of looked at Max Crosby, and we all know the dynamo he is, and great player, never stops. I mean, there was a play where he was triple team last week, and he still got pressure. It's pretty amazing to watch him. I think other players have to feed off that and kind of give the same energy, and also they're free because they have more guys to focus on Max. There's less guys on them, so they should be making plays. They should be having an impact, and we saw it last week. So I think again. We'll see if they can build on that this week against the Jets. They have 24 sacks on the season. They are on pace for 45.3 sacks. But, hey, you're coming off an eight-sack performance. You start stacking those up. Uh, Maybe they'll even get to your 60. I think this number has changed a few times, you know. Well, it started at 60, and then he amended it in the same pod to 50. So we're giving him 50, but he really was kind of preaching 60. Man, people are trying to clown me, man. It's a bold bold prediction, and now we're back almost on pace. So uh, I'm excited about it. I mean, they could have another eight sack performance. It's just, this Jets O line is pretty, pretty bad. They're not much better than the, than the Giants O line. Zach Wilson is going to hold the ball. So, I mean, you could possibly have another big sack game. Max Crosby going to be he's going to be rushing off the right edge against Billy Turner, who's a pretty bad right tackle. Yeah, let's get into this game now. I mean, it's a weird matchup because I mean, I, I watched the Jets. You watched them against the Chargers last week, and I mean, they are a Super Bowl caliber defense. Uh, they, The Chargers could not move the ball against them at all. Um, I mean, the Chargers offense was terrible in that game. But they are like a second half of the preseason offense. I mean, that offense is like the just the stark difference between that offense and defense is just remarkable. So it, it's a game where it's like you, you see yourself going against Zach Wilson and like, okay, like, I mean, we can hold these guys to, you know, out of the end zone. But can you score against that Jets defense? That's that's going to be the key, and that's where this is going to be a hard game to, to kind of really know what to expect. I mean, that offense is pretty bad with Zach Wilson at the helm, but I think their defense has been so good that, you know, they, they found a way to keep themselves in most of their games so far this season regardless. Um, and, you know, they're, they're highly capable of giving your quarterback hell and taking the ball away at a high rate. And, and so even if they can only – put together one or two successful drives on the offense, they can still find a way to, way to win games. And, you know, while the Raiders, you know, scored a lot of points against the Giants, it still is an offense that struggled for most of the season. You know, we'll we'll see if, you know, and I think this Jets defense is a pretty significant step up, you know, from the Giants defense that they faced last week. And so, 
We could see the offense revert a little bit in this one, and it could be tough sledding. But the good news is that it's also a favorable matchup for the, for the Raiders defense in, in terms of Zach Wilson still not looking like he should be an NFL starter at this point in his career. So I think Antonio Pierce said it yesterday. This is probably going to be a low scoring affair. Like I don't exactly expect, you know, fireworks in this one, but it should be a game that that's a winnable one for the Raiders, you know, if they, if, if they execute well down the stretch. I think the Jets are going to be motivated also because I think if you look at it, they're four and four. They had this, you know, really frustrating year. Their quarterback, Ted said, holds onto the ball forever. And when he throws it, it's often short or long. He's been pretty bad. So I think in their minds, hey, man, I don't know how we're four and four, but we are. If we win this game and kind of like eliminate the Raiders from our whole playoff picture, then Aaron Rodgers can really come back. Aaron Rodgers now, he's talking about coming back. And has to be a reason why he comes back if that'd be in the playoff race a little bit. So they lose this one. I think Aaron's like, all right, screw this. I'll see you guys next year. But if they win this one, they got to feel like in a couple of weeks he comes back, or three weeks they have a chance to actually make a playoff push. So it's a big week for, for the Jets players as well as the Raiders players. Yeah, man, one loss and Aaron Rodgers is going <laughs> to. I mean, so Zach Wilson gets is going to pull it all together and, and have the best game of his life just so he could convince Aaron Rodgers to come back and take his job. You're not pull it all together. Let's not be me. Let's just, let's not tone down. How about throw one touchdown pass and not be terrible? That's why the bar is kind of low, but. The defense is that good, but they can keep you in the games. You need like two, three plays to get the running game going. So I think, um, yeah, I think the Jets are definitely looking at it as an organization. Like, you know, can we, can we contend? Can we? Are we in the picture this year? And if we are, then what's Aaron's deal? But there's no reason for Aaron to come back if you're going to have a losing record and uh, a very tight uh, AFC. Zach Wilson's been so bad that after he played terribly against the Chargers, Robert Salah said. It's not one of his worst games that he played. Not, he, not even, not even close to one of his worst games. <laughs> yeah. Which I think he would. I think he said that as a defense of Zach Wilson, but I, I don't think he realizes that we all took that to mean like, no, this guy's capable of being much, much, much worse. I think he was on somebody's podcast or radio show, and then he pleaded the fifth when it came to defending Zach Wilson. So that's that's how bad he is. But I mean, the thing with this team is their defense is good enough to win them games they're it's gonna you know they, they'll get them good field position and you know zach wilson might get hot and hit a couple of receivers and he is mobile so he can use his legs and he could hurt you on the ground sometimes but that's the challenge with its defense is trying to move the ball and and not turning the ball over against them i think it's going to be a, a field position battle some teams have with num- true number one receivers had had success against them like the the cowboys with cd C.D. Lamb and uh, A.J. Brown with the Eagles, where they, they've moved around their number one receiver away from Sauce Gardner and um, gotten some production that way. Uh, I think those guys each had hundred yard, more than 100 yards against the Jets. But they typically don't have Gardner move around that much. But against the uh, the Chargers, they were actually doubling Keenan Allen and then having Sauce Gardner play one-on-one and actually moving him around to the formation with uh, Quentin Johnson. It was actually pretty funny because when you watch that matchup, I mean, Sauce just kicked Quentin Johnson's ass. Like there was nothing. He, he, there was one play where he wrote him like five yards out of bounds. Like there, there's nowhere for, for him to go. So that might be the game plan against the, um, the Raiders where they're going to double Devontae Adams and just have Sauce Garner play one-on-one with Jacoby Myers. So I think that's probably going to be the game plan. And if that's what's going to happen, then you're going to need Hunter Renfro to win in the slot. You're going to need Michael Mayer to to produce. But 
I think that's probably what's going to happen, but you do have to continue to try to move around Dev- Devontae Adams. And when, you know, he has an opportunity to away from sauce or he's not being doubled, or maybe even sometimes when he's doubled, you have to try to get him the ball here and there. But I, I think this is a game where Renfro or, or Mayer is going to have to produce. Thanks for the question. Why are you having sauce, wasting sauce on Quentin Johnson? You have two guys on the number one. But Johnson's done nothing this year. I mean, he lost him a game against the Cowboys because he got he got bullied by Stephon Gilmore, who just, like, pushed him out of the way and got the game-winning interception. I mean, uh, the Raiders' secondary options beyond Devontae Adams are a lot more reliable than, uh, than Quentin Johnson. Um, he's been easy to bully as a rookie. Jacoby Myers has been pretty good. So, I mean, like, obviously, Sauce Gardner is a tough matchup for anybody. But I don't know. We'll see, I guess. I mean, I, I would think that you would want him to defend Devontae Adams, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll see some one-on-one with Sauce, but I think their main strategy will be to just get two guys on Devontae, and theoretically that should slow him down. And then, you know, you have your top guy just eliminate Myers, who's been pretty good against one-on-one coverage away from Adams. You know, I think Myers can win some reps against Gardner, but that's just not a matchup that you want to go to too often. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think last week against the Giants, like Devontae really didn't, produced too much like it didn't, didn't get talked about because they they won by a pretty big margin but that seemed to be their game plan and the offense was still able to have some success against it again this is a different caliber of defense so you know let's say if they do double Devontae, which a lot of teams do like that just makes it even more imperative that they're able to get this ground game going like i don't think especially against this jet secondary because even outside of sauce like dj reed has played like one of the better cornerbacks in the league and whitehead at safety has been a ball hawk this season like i don't know that dropping back and, and this pass rush is crazy like dropping back 40 times or something like that probably isn't the best move for them anyway and so again like i, I think it all comes back to josh jacobs and, and the run game you know setting the tone and, and making life a little bit easier for aiden o'connell in this one looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're going to take a few questions here before we get into predictions. It's been a while since we take some questions. So uh, we've got this one here from uh, from Lead Tier, and we may have found Dave Ziegler's burner account because he wants to know, why was Ziegler fired? Too much of a yes boy to McDaniels? Seems to have done pretty well personal personnel-wise with a few exceptions. Did we just identify Dave Ziegler's burner? Uh, I mean, we already identified that, but... Shouldn't put that on the record, but... Uh, it's not rap sheet? I thought it was rap sheet that was his burner now. You know, they were obviously tired as a package deal. Like, that's always how it was going to be. Like, I never really thought it was realistic for one of them to get fired and the other one not get fired. Like, they were in lockstep. That was the whole point of bringing them in in the first place. So they're, they're, you can't really do the the finger pointing thing when, like, that's your guy and you guys came in together and you've talked about how you guys are so unified and making all these decisions. Like, 
one's decisions is both is both of their decision. And so I'm not really sure what personnel moves he's pointing to there. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, we see like fans love Aiden O'Connell and they did draft him. So like, got to give credit for that, of course. Um, and Jacoby Myers is a, is a flash, but overall, I mean, when you consider the amount of cap dollars that they spent and the draft capital that they had, like the roster just isn't good enough um, for all the resources they poured into it. And then, you know, like they had some pretty significant misses. Chandler Jones is a huge one going from Derek Carter, Jimmy Garoppolo, just to Benjamin eight games is a pretty huge one. Tyree Wilson, again, he's early on in his career, but like he hasn't really done anything as a number seven overall pick. It's also a pretty big one. So like you don't tend to get to make all those types of mistakes and keep your job, you know, once the regime changes. Maybe. I think they're just trying to get rid of this whole Patriots way. And obviously Ziggler is a big proponent and, part of that whole Patriots way type of thing. So I think they're just trying to get rid of all of that and start new. But, you know, I will say that some of these rookies have been playing better. We're seeing a little bit more, some signs of life from Tyree Wilson. So maybe he did leave the Raiders with a nice little parting gift. If some of these, uh, I mean, if this draft class starts playing better and I mean, there's potential there, but again, I think they're just trying to just totally start anew with this whole Patriots way and get it out. All right, next question here comes from Miguel Garcia. What do the Raiders need to show you all to believe they might have a shot at the playoffs? Obviously, they need to beat the Jets first, but a win in Miami? So here's their next six games. They're home against the Jets, on the road in Miami, home against the Chiefs, home against the Vikings, home against the Chargers, and then at Kansas City. After that six-game stretch, if they're 9-6, and six, of course, we're talking playoffs. If they're 8-7, and seven, I think they have to be at least 8-7, and seven, which is... Probably a long shot. They'd have to be eight and seven to to kind of have any kind of thought that they could make the playoffs because they, they do close with at Indianapolis and home against the Broncos, two very winnable games. Um, so I, I'm going to say they have to win four out of these six games for us to uh, to talk playoffs. I'll say they got to beat the Jets. That's it. We're talking playoffs. I'm all in. If they beat the Jets. I'm all in. No, I mean, Even if they get smoked by the Dolphins uh, and, and, and Chiefs? In, in all seriousness, I think it's a little obviously premature to talk about the playoffs if they beat the Giants. And that was it. But, again, there, there was there's, there has been talent on this roster. We talked about them being in that kind of, you know, 7 to 10 win range all, all year long even before the year started. So, it can get hot. I mean, I, I think, like you said, it's going to be hard to beat the, the Dolphins in Miami. And the Chiefs are still a bad match. Their defense is not actually good this year. So, the Chiefs are a tough matchup. So, I think, I mean – you got to be two and one the next three weeks to have a shot, I guess. And that, then I'll be really uh, willing to talk about it. But I think it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be tough. The roster still has some holes on it. And I think people are really enjoying this this post-win high. But, um, you know, once the cigar smoke dies down, you got to like kind of see the reality of it all. And we're not quite there yet. Yeah, I think they got to swing an upset either in one of the two Chiefs games or the Dolphins game. Even if those three games are the only ones they lose, that would put them at, at nine and eight. And I think in the AFC, it, it might be a little challenging, even with seven teams making the playoffs now to, to make it at nine and eight. You're probably going to need 10 wins. Maybe not. You know, we'll see. But, you know, I th- think they basically got to, you know, either upset the Chiefs in one of those games or, or beat the Dolphins or obviously come out winning multiple of those games. But I think that's what it's going to take. I feel dirty even talking about playoffs at this point. But, <laughs> I mean, if they beat... If they beat the Dolphins, I'll start to believe that they 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 might be able to make the playoffs. And I mean, you're gonna need Aiden O'Connell to like take such a significant jump 
in his play and surprise so many people if they're you know even getting get close to playoffs but yeah if they beat the dolphins and you know i'll start believing i mean this is progress guys two weeks ago we would have laughed about anybody even asking us a question about the playoffs and now we are actually giving a legitimate answer so uh they have definitely made progress um all right we'll go to mark the shark he wants to know how do we move up in the draft to get a top qb prospect if we end up in purgatory of around six to seven wins and I'm going to say it's probably going to be impossible. When you look at Arizona, if, if they're in that top two, I think they probably trade Kyler Murray and take one. You know, Chicago owning the Panthers pick it has, has two chances. Arizona has two chances, although Houston now is, has played their way out of being one of those top picks. They're playing pretty well with uh, C.J. Stroud. But you figure Chicago's owning the Panthers pick and their own is going to have a really good chance to have one of those top couple of picks. I mean, if, if teams like that... If these draft prospects are, are as good as everybody thinks they are, you're not trading those picks. And so I think if you're not ending up in the top two, and obviously I didn't even mention the Giants. I think the Giants are now the, the favorite to end up with the number one pick, especially without Daniel Jones. I mean, if, if these teams end up in those top two picks, they are not trading their way out of that. If you're the Raiders, I think you send your scouts to uh, Arizona and Chicago. You start uh, really watching Kyler Murray, Justin Fields the rest of the year, pick one, and go for that guy. I think that's going to be your best option as far as price. And possible upside and availability. Uh, I agree with you. The draft picks are probably not within reach of top guys because of where you're going to finish. So I think Murray and Fields are two guys you got to look at, and you pick one and hope for a big resurrection and uh, some some upside. Yeah, I mean, I think right now there's a very clear top tier, and that's Caleb Williams and Drake May. There's a second tier of quarterbacks where we're not exactly sure where they're at. There might not even be another one in the first round, but there could be there could be two or three uh, other quarterbacks in the first round. We we don't know where this second class of quarterbacks is at right now, but there are some interesting names. But it's a big class, so I mean, you have you know like maybe five guys that have some really interesting skills, and we'll see where they end up by end of the season after the the draft process is over. You know, I, I know everybody thinks that Michael Penix is a sure first round pick, but. You know, listening to Dane Burglar talk, you know, scouts see him as a third, fourth round guy, but he's still a very interesting prospect to me. So, you know, you could get an interesting name in this class that's out of the first round, but it's pretty unlikely that the Raiders would get the first two picks. And that's where Drake May and Caleb Williams are going to go. Yeah, I mean, like realistically, they, they aren't going to end up with one of those types of picks, but there's other quarterbacks, like you said. I mean, you know, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan or Shadour Sanders at Colorado or Phoenix or a bunch of these other guys. Like, it's a pretty deep quarterback class. I think Dane Brugler had four guys with a first-round grade in his latest top 50 draft prospects, but there's also some second-round caliber guys as well. And so I don't think it necessarily has to be Williams or May or you don't take a quarterback in this year's drafts. Like, I don't think that's the reality. So even if they end up with, let's say, the, let's say they missed the playoffs and they have the 13th overall pick, like you can still get a quarterback there. All right, last question here from Vallejo. He wants to know uh, what matters most when considering Antonio Pierce as a full-time head coach candidate. Morale, wins, uh, what do we think? How does Antonio Pierce get himself to be a, a legitimate uh, full-time candidate? I'll say wins. I think, um, I think morale is going to be obvious. The players obviously love him. I think Mark Davis is going to really embrace the whole Raider way thing and the whole like old Raider mentality. He loves that kind of stuff. So I'm sure he's, he's really... Uh, and he's enjoying this whole week and all the talk about the, uh, the Raiders of old and their style, but it has to be wins. And this roster, that's why he fired uh, the two guys because they were regressing. He said they weren't winning. And so you got to get this back on track, which I think is, in, like you said, that nine or, or 10 uh, win season, or maybe even eight. But so I think that's pretty much a winning record in terms of his time here. 
to have a real shot at keeping a job for next year. If they make the playoffs, he's the head coach. If they make the playoffs, I think it's impossible to fire him. You know, within your organization, the players are going to love him. And we saw what happened with Rich Pasaccia. Yeah, if he makes the playoffs, the job is his. If they're in contention, then maybe. I think they'll probably interview other candidates and we'll see what happens. But I think those are the two things. If if you're in contention for playoffs by the end of the year, then you've done pretty good. You've won some games. We'll see. You make the playoffs, the job is yours. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we said that probably about Rich Bisaccia, too, and they made the playoffs and almost won, and job was not his. So, you know, maybe Mark Davis takes a different approach the second time around, but I think realistically he probably – I mean, they, they damn near got to win a playoff game, I think, for him to actually get the job, which is a pretty high bar, but you just really don't see interim head coaches get the job that often. Like, Bisaccia isn't the only one who, like, stepped in and performed well and didn't get the job. Like, you just typically don't see franchises – go in that direction, especially when you also have a GM opening as well. So it seems pretty unlikely, but, you know, crazier things have happened. I mean, I think the the last half of the season needs to go smooth, too. You know, we all remember, yeah, Rich Passaccia, those Raiders got hot, won, what, their last four games to get into the playoffs. But before they went on that winning streak to get in the playoffs, we're sitting here like, what the hell? You know, I mean, I, we remember those pods. We were talking about what the hell kind of game management decisions he was making, you know, conservative type stuff. I mean, there was a lot of questionable coaching decisions that he was making before they got hot late in the season. And, and I think that cost him. And, you know, and Vic, if, as you've written about, you know, just the way that final drive, uh, you know, went when they had a chance to go win. I mean, that, that kind of soured him on Derek Carr, uh, Mark Davis on Derek Carr. And, you know, that probably helped Kaspasaccia the job. So I think for Pierce, a lot of it, you know, is, is going to be how they perform, but also kind of what kind of plan he has for taking this full-time job. I mean, uh, I think I think you mentioned last week that, that Bo Hardegree is going to be a big factor in this. Like if, if Hardegree goes out there and looks like he's a, he's a real upper echelon or at least top half NFL play caller, you know, if he can keep up the momentum of what he did last week and, and looks like a guy who can you know, be a, a guy who should be a full-time offensive coordinator and, and wants to stay around with peers and, and he's able to present Davis with a plan like, hey, I've got hard degree. This guy's this guy's going to be my, my play caller. He's got it locked down. You know, we're going to do this, that, and the other. I think that's going to be important because, you know, as Mark said to you, Tashawn, he's gone after every head coaching search before this with an agenda ahead of time of a guy he wanted, and this time he wants to take a, a more of an open-minded approach. Uh, so I, th- I think uh, it, it's going to be a lot about what happens on the field, but it's also going to be w- what kind of plan he's able to present Mark at the end of the season. All right. With that, we will uh, we'll make some predictions. Uh, Raiders taking on the Jets. Uh, as we mentioned before, very good defense, terrible offense coming out of New York. How do the Raiders do? Uh, do they get to 2-0 and under Antonio Pierce? Yeah, I think I'll go with the Raiders over the Jets, 17-10. to I think it'll be a, a pretty low-scoring game um, just because of how great this Jets defense has been this season um, and some of the struggles the Raiders' offense has, has had. I think they come down to earth a little bit after the high of the, the Giants game last week. But, you know, defensively, you know, I think the Raiders are, are starting to come into form and they, they've not only the sacks, but they've also started to create turnovers, especially in the secondary with interceptions and I think Zach Wilson stinks, and he's going to give him a couple turnovers, and that'll decide the game. I'm going to say Jets 13-10. I just think this Jets defense is too good. It's going to be hard to move the ball against this Jets defense. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball against them. I think you know the, the secondary, they're, they're going to double Adams, and I, I just don't know if you're going to get enough from 
Renfro and Mayer and, and uh, Myers to be able to produce consistently. It's going to be too tough of a test for Aiden O'Connell, who I think is playing pretty well, but I think this week is going to be kind of a, a crash down to reality. And I think, you know, they'll probably get good field position for Zach Wilson to have kind of his random outbursts of like using his athleticism, get out the pocket and make some plays and that'll be enough to win this game. Man, you just killed Bo Hardigree. You just killed Aiden O'Connell. Man, all this fluff we're talking about. And you're like, you know what? Those guys stink. 13 10. I'll go with the Jets. No, I'm not. Just kidding. I'll go with the, <laughs> uh, go with the Raiders 22 20. I, um, I think it'll be a really close game. I think Zach Wilson, like Tashawn said, does really stink. And I think um, it'll be funny. Well, I'm sure we'll have Aaron Rodgers warming up before the game. Probably throwing a pass to Devontae Adams across the field. It'll be a big viral moment. But, um, I think Aaron Rodgers will not come back this year when the Jets lose to the Raiders 22-20. Vic is like, <laughs> this guy's busting his ass to come back from the Achilles. He's <laughs> like, yeah, we lost. It's against the Raiders. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm going back to California. <laughs> their own line's terrible. So at some point, they're four and five or four and whatever, four and six. He's like, I'm going to come back and get hurt again for, for what? I mean, I, I, we'll see. Who knows? Wait, what do you write in your column? Because sometimes what you say on uh, this pod and what you write in your column don't, don't match well, up. Well, that's because the only time I did that. Usually I, I pick it the same way. So I, I got the Raiders in the column also. I, I think um, we'll see. I mean, I think their offense is definitely going to be a little better than it has been. So I, just enough to beat the uh, beat the Jets. I'm going lower score than that. I, I, I do not see both these teams putting up over 20 points. I'm going to go similar score to Deshaun, but I'm going to go more of a field goal type game. Uh, 16-9. to nine. Uh, Jets get three field goals. And uh, Raiders get a touchdown, three field goals. I think we're going to see a lot of kicking in this game. Second straight game, the defense holds the team under ten points. That'd that'd be uh, that'd be nice. I, I, again, asterisk next to it, just uh, against the the offense they're facing. But uh, sixteen to nine Raiders, back to five hundred. Speaking of flowers in the kicking game, we never really talked about AJ Cole set a record last week for like largest gross average in the game, and no one's written about it. No one's talked about Why it. Why would you? It well, is a still, punting it's a record. record. It's an NFL record still, but I mean, I'm so proud. You know, shout out to AJ Cole for setting the record and kind of being the guy in Jimmy's pick who'll have a huge game for the Raiders this week. Start writing. Come on, write the feature. What, 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 you can play that nobody's writing about it. Write it. I will next week. It's just incredible, like this, how bad this Josh McDaniels cloud was over his team that even the punter was being held down by Josh McDaniels, but now that he's free, he's setting records. That's a good, that's my lead. Thanks for getting my lead next week. So we're we're all set. All right, everybody. Well, that'll wrap up another episode of State of the Nation. We'll uh, see what the Raiders can do. Can they get back to 500 against the Jets? A big game and a chance to end Aaron Rodgers' season, according to Vic Tafer. Again. Again. For the second time. For the second time, man. All right, guys. All right, boys. Adios. All right, y'all. Peace.